If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We've made it through uh, so far in our journey together this year through 1 Peter. We're on the home stretch. This is the very last chapter of 1 Peter. Kind of reminds me of sometimes as we gather the family in the van and we take off on a long trip and somewhere along the line, someone will yell out, hey, where are we? And where are we going again? And probably as we study that God's word, we've been really uh, dissecting it, looking at it in a micro sense, saying, God, what does this specific verse have for me? And sometimes we lose the big picture of where are we and, and where are we going? Well, Peter is speaking to God's people who are being persecuted and they're, they're being persecuted for their faith. And it's really, really hard. And Peter tells us kind of where we are and why we are, where we are going in 1 Peter 5.12. Let's start by skipping right there. Let's look and remind ourselves, why did Peter write all this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? And he says in 12, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. If you've been noticing that each one of my sermons starts off with standing firm, standing firm in this true grace of God. And again, even this week, just just basking in the reality of this grace of God. What is this grace of God? What is he asking us to do and stand in it? Well, this is the grace of God. The grace of God is that sinners like us, those who don't deserve to stand in God's presence, those that deserve to be banished from God, we have been called in. And as Peter has been telling us that we have been made new, he's made us new creatures in Christ. And the way he has done this is he took his son who was sinless and he has become sin for us so that we can be made new, so that we can be washed clean. And now Peter tells us, he says, now because of the work of Jesus, now that we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation. We're a a people belonging to God. Once we were far off, once we were in darkness, but God has loved us and brought us near. But they're also suffering. They're hurting. I mean, some of them are losing their lives because of what they believe. And he's saying, stand in the grace of God. Stand firm. Listen, it's the only way we can stand. He doesn't say stand in your religion. Stand in your knowledge. Stand in your own righteousness. Stand in all the stuff you know and do. You know what? None of us would stand. But because of the grace of God and the work of His Son, we can come and stand firm in His presence. And Jesus has made us new. And as we talked last week, He wants to use us. We're His A-plan. Go figure. We are His A-plan to make all things new. And to make all things new, we have to stand firm. We have to be reminded where are we, whose are we, where we're going. And for his glory. And for us to stand firm, we need leaders, we need shepherds, we need elders to help us stand. Because as in Peter's day and age, it was hard to stand firm as as well as it is in ours today. This week as I was preparing for this message, which I'm real excited. Is there ever a message I'm not excited about? I'll tell you if there is one yet. I haven't hit it yet. Uh, something came to mind. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, if a picture can paint a thousand words, a video, I don't know, maybe a million words, but we have a little video clip. It may look a little bit familiar to you, but this is uh, kind of explaining what does it look like to shepherd God's people at Orangewood? Because today, no matter who you are, an elder or a sheep following the lead that God has called us to, each one of us can hear God's voice today. Each one of us 
God wants to speak to. He's got a challenge for each one of us. But if you're wondering, you know, how, what does it look like from our standpoint of view about shepherding you? Why don't you look at the screen? This is what it looks like. This man right here is my great-grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. Herding cats. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle. Holding together 10,000 half-wild short hairs. Well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning, right here. And if you look at his face, it's just ripped to shreds, you know? You see the movies, you hear the stories, it's... I'm living a dream. Not everyone can do what we do. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like it in the world. Did you see yourself in there? Did you identify with any of that? And really, in a sense, that is what we do. Uh, we are, have this incredible privilege of shepherding God's people. And you know, you guys are needy. You have a lot of needs and you're broken and you have a lot of concerns. It's not easy shepherding you. It's not easy at times loving you because you're like me. You're not very lovable at times. But I got to confess, I love it. No matter how difficult it can be at times, I mean, what an incredible privilege. I love it. I love the privilege, the opportunity to love you and point you to the good shepherd and strive to uh, honor God and herd the cats at Orangewood. But boy, I know one thing for sure. I need his help. And I need his help right now because we need to hear from him. So let's join our hearts together and pray before uh, we read God's word together. Let's pray. Now, Father God, as we have been reminded this morning, you are the good shepherd. You, your son alone, is worthy of praise. He alone is the reason that we are here. God, it's so true that on our own, that we are so prone to wander. On our own, that we aren't very smart. We're smelly. We run away from you. In our nature, Father, we would never come On our own, we would never come to you. And yet, because of this eternal love that you've lavished on us, you've rescued us, and you've set us free, and you've even given us the gift of faith. You've even given us the desire to be shepherded by you and to hear your voice. Oh, what grace of God in which we stand. And oh, Father, how we need to hear the voice of our shepherd this morning. The voice of the good shepherd, Jesus our Lord. So God, we ask that your spirit, the spirit of Jesus would come with power and do that which only he can do to speak through a broken vessel who desperately needs his sins forgiven. And God, open up our ears to hear your voice. It's amazing. You tell us that your sheep hear your voice. And so today, may we hear the voice of the good shepherd. Father, we ask that you would open up our minds, that we would understand what the good shepherd has for us. 
so that we truly can respond in a way that brings him glory and pleases him in this message. Oh, Father, would you soften and break our hearts so that we can love the good shepherd, so that we will submit to the good shepherd, so that we, Father, can be a people that bring the good shepherd honor. And God, would you empower our feet so that we will follow the good shepherd, your son, our Savior, Jesus. Father, we pray that you and you alone receive glory, and we receive great encouragement and challenge. We pray all this in Christ's powerful name. Amen. If you turn with me in 1 Peter 5, we're going to read God's inerrant holy word together. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. Peter writes, Therefore, since they're suffering and they're hurting, and this is a part of the Christian walk, he says, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Isn't it beautiful, by the way, that here is Peter, one of the twelve. Here is Peter. I mean, he is an apostle, a pillar of the church. And what does he not only identify himself, not as the vicar of the church, he says as a fellow elder, as one alongside of you, he is writing to us, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Was Peter a witness of the sufferings of Christ? You know he was. He saw firsthand and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Here's Peter writing to them, a fellow elder, witness of the sufferings of Christ, and one looking forward to that glory to be revealed. I can't help but think of the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter was one of three that was called up onto that mountain to see Christ's glory shine. And I bet it was that image and that reality that still burns in his mind saying, I want everybody to see it. So he's coming alongside, he's calling the fellow elders because of the sufferings of Christ And he says this, shepherd the flock of, what's the next word? Shepherd the flock of God. Whose flock are we? God's. Let's make it very clear that if we're shepherding the flock, we're talking about shepherding. It's not Orangewood's flock. It's his flock. And he says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not because you have to, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not as lording it over those allotted to your charge. And I love that, allotted to your charge. Clearly it is God's, not only the one who's a flock, we're his flock, but he's the one who has placed you where you are. He's the one that has given to each leader, each elder, that amount of sheep, because he's sovereign and he's good. And he's the one who's done it. He says to the elders, don't lord it over them, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Oh, what a day when that chief shepherd appears. For you young men, and again, it's not just talking about you young men, it's basically saying this, those of you who are not elders, those of you who are not shepherds, for those of you in that position, under authority, for all of us, we are to be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves. I mean, literally put on this garment. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me give you a little roadmap of how we're going to make our way through this passage this morning. Uh, And let me also begin by saying this. This is for all of us. I mean, this passage focuses on the shepherd. And this this passage is going to narrow in and say, now this is... 
how a shepherd is supposed to shepherd God's people. That's a lot of shepherds there. And uh, it really is for the leaders. So leaders, listen up. There's a great exhortation for you. Uh, But it says this, all those that have been allotted to those in their care. Let me ask you, moms, dads, has God allotted you, some people, to your care? Uh, Those of you who are employers, uh, those of you who had some power. So as you hear this specifically directed to the elders and shepherds of the church, listen with ears. Anyone who has been allotted charge of somebody else, there's great stuff here. And once again, God's word is always for all of us. It'll never come back void. But it says something extremely important. This is where we're going to close this morning, is how we respond. How each one of us is to respond biblically before the Lord to the authority that God has placed into our lives. So all of us need to hear this as well. How we're going to go through this is I'm going to ask and answer six key questions about shepherding. We're going to look at God's word here and say, God, help us answer these questions about shepherding the flock. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm excited about this text again because I think there is something here for all of us. But I got a confession to make, another warning sign. Here's a couple warning signs. One is this. I'll do my best not to make this self-serving. Because I want to tell you, and I'm going to tell you this morning, how I really see that God is calling me to shepherd you. And I've sat in sermons before when I felt like the preacher was using the text to try to say something about himself. And I got angry with that. I didn't like it. And you don't like it either. And if I do, I apologize. And if I've done that before, I apologize. It's not my intent. But there is things that we need to hear about God's word here, about specifically how God is calling us. And I'm also a bit nervous about this message because someone told me recently that the last two sermons, wow, I mean, Jeff, what happened to you for the last two sermons? And two is kind of like a trend, but three might be a tradition. And so, man, the pressure's on today, isn't it? And today's a nuts and bolts sermon. I mean, today's really, it's kind of, we're talking about the nuts and bolts of the working of shepherding. So I'm a little nervous, uh, but I'm trusting that God will come and speak to us with power because we need to hear this and we need to hear um, why we need a shepherd. Let's begin there. Let's ask the first question. Why is shepherding necessary? Because truthfully, you know, we're pretty hard-headed. We want to live life on our own. We don't want anybody telling us where to go and how to go there. We don't want someone else telling us how to spend our money, live our lives. Really, for the most part, we want to be our own shepherds. And yet, we have to answer the question, why? Why is God calling us the, the need for shepherding? Why do we need to be shepherded? Well, let's begin in the beginning. We open up God's word and we see that God has created all things out of nothing. And of all things God has created, they're good. But there's something that's really, really good. And that's you and me. Because unbelievably, we have been created in his image. Which means we reflect who he is. And he has created us to have a relationship with him. To know and to love him. And he's also created us to rule and reign in his position. To bring the kingdom of God and advance it out of just Eden, out of paradise, into all creation. In Genesis 1, God tells us that. Tells us this incredible privilege that we have been made in his own image. That we have this dignity, this worth, because we're his. And that we have been made with authority. Isn't that good news? We have been made with authority. But we also have been made, Genesis 2, under authority. And God has created us to be under authority. God has created us to follow ultimately him. It's by design. 
You see, he didn't make any of us to be a rock. He didn't make any of us to be an island. He didn't make any of us to live life on our own. He has made us for himself. He has made us for his glory. Thank the Lord. It's not just about us. But he has made us to follow, to follow him. So why is shepherding necessary? It's in our DNA. God has made us to be led in a godly fashion. But there's more. The Bible continues to show us so, so graciously how God has provided us shepherds. And throughout scripture, we see that God raises up men like Moses to lead God's people and to be a shepherd and to lead him even through the Red Sea and into the desert, into the promised land. We see that God has raised up men like David and Elijah and others to shepherd and lead us. But you know what he also shows us when he tells us stories about these men? That they are too broken and we are too needy to be shepherded by men. It's amazing. Every shepherd that God provides us fails. Every shepherd that God provides us doesn't lead us to the promised land. And so God so graciously shows us that we are sheep, that we need to be shepherded, and we only can be shepherded by God himself. And in the fullness of time, God would send his own son to do that which we need most desperately, to shepherd us and to lead us to the Father. That's how desperate it is. We need to be shepherded so badly that God himself is the one who has to shepherd us. And that's been the A plan all along. As you read God's story and you read about the judges, you read about the kings, and you read about this up and down and what is happening, it's basically all telling us this is the A plan. God was created us to be shepherded and God himself, God himself wants to shepherd us. Isn't that good news? And all of us long for that shepherd Jesus to come and to set us free and to bring us to the Father. And why else? Well, practically speaking, why is shepherding, why do we, uh, uh, is shepherding necessary? It's because of the suffering. I mean, Peter's dealing a lot with suffering. It's the main theme of his whole text. I mean, God's people, just for proclaiming the name of Jesus, just for rejecting pagan religion, are being persecuted and even killed. And because God's people are suffering... And because they're hurting, we need shepherds, earthly, tangible, human shepherds to help heal us. And you know what? The same is true of us today. You're hurting. I mean, so many marriages are still being strained and, and cancer is still wreaking havoc here at Orangewood. And there's, there's lives that are being shattered. And Peter, I mean, he's a shepherd too. And he knows that we need it because we're broken and we're hurting. And he's going to lovingly provide us shepherds pointing to him. But my favorite is this. we got to get this. This is so beautiful. Why is shepherding necessary? Well, Peter himself was recommissioned. Peter himself was recommissioned from a fisherman to a shepherd. Turn with me to John 21. We're going to just quickly jump into John and, and see this. And let me give you the quick background. Here's Peter. I mean, Peter was one of the big three. I mean, Peter was close to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, by the way, had three he mostly dealt with. Peter had 12 then that he dealt with. He had 72 that he sent out. We even see in Jesus' ministry in life that he empowered others and that there was kind of a hierarchy. And Peter was in the top three. I mean, unbelievably, Peter was able to see and go places that really only two others were. He saw the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter was the one that would say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, when Jesus asked who the people say I am. I mean, Peter hit so many home runs. Peter was the one that walked on water. And he walked on water. But Peter was the one 
They would say in the night before Jesus was betrayed, I will die with you. I mean, these other guys, they, they might leave you and they, they're not there. I'm your man. I mean, I got your back, Jesus. I'm with you. I'm going to be with you to the end. I will never let you go. I've given up everything for you. I am your man. A few hours later, a little girl says, hey, do you know him? I don't know who the guy is. A few hours later, he is cursing down, curses from heaven, swearing, saying, I swear to God, I don't even know Jesus. Talk about the height. Talk about the fall. Peter goes and he does what he knows to do. He goes and fishes. And he goes to fish. And so there he is fishing, doesn't catch anything. And all of a sudden, there's a figure on the beach. It's the resurrected Savior in John 21. And the figure on the beach yells out, and he kind of kind kind of, pokes him and jabs him. Hey, you guys got any meat out there? You got any fish? You catch anything, guys? No. Let me try throwing the net on the other side. You know, don't you like it when someone else tells you what to do? And here's a bunch of fishermen saying, okay, let's throw it on the other head. Some guy on the beach thinks he knows more than us, and there's this huge haul of fish. And Peter recognizes Jesus. And he couldn't wait. You ever been on an airplane and you just can't wait to go and see a loved one that you're waiting to see on the other side? You ever been separated from a child and you just can't wait to be with them that you just, you just, you'll, you'll run through walls to get there? You know, you know that feeling? That's what Peter had. Peter had that feeling so much that uh, he jumped out of the boat. He jumped out of the boat and swam because there was a Savior and he just needed to be restored. And he, he went to Jesus and Jesus cooks a breakfast for him because Jesus provides for all their needs. And they look at verse 15. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I mean, just think, think of this picture, folks. Think of where Peter had been. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, be a fisher of men. No, he didn't. He said, tend my lambs. Shepherd. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, oh, so tenderly telling him this, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Why is shepherding necessary? Because here's Peter himself who's been recommissioned as a shepherd saying, because of the love of Christ, Peter, because you've been restored, here's what I'm calling you to do. Why do we shepherd? God has created us that way and pointed us to Christ. Well, what does shepherding the flock mean? He tells us in verse 2, jump back to 1 Peter 5, verse 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to give you four uh, explanations of what that means. First of is this, lead the flock to, the, to pasture. Basically this, elders... Pastors, this is our call. Lead God's people to the pasture. And here's the pasture. His name is Jesus. Here's the green meadows. His name is Jesus. Our job as leaders is to point you to Jesus. Everything we do should point you to the good shepherd so that you will find life and life abundantly, so you will be protected in love, so you will have identity. When I started here on November 3rd in 2002, as your senior pastor, I said these words, today I start a sermon series for 25 years on Jesus. Only four years into it, and I'm actually now negotiating for 30 or 35. But that's what it's about. It's leading God's people to Jesus. Nowhere else. We don't want to follow a fad. We don't want to follow a rumor. We don't want to follow the latest tradition. We want to follow Jesus and follow him hard. And as leaders, God is calling us to lead you to the good shepherd. Feed the flock. That's what God is calling us to do. Not only to lead, but to feed. Feed the flock. How do we feed you? 
You know, you're like me. You have a pretty broad palate. And because of our sin and our, our own nature, a lot of times we don't want to be fed the pure word of God. We would like to taste the delicacies of this world and see if they satisfy. They don't. And here's what God is telling us. Listen, my word is holy and active. It's for you. We're to feed on God's word as leaders, as shepherds. What we are to do is to lead you to God's word in our C2 groups, in our equipping centers, and from this pulpit. We have nothing else. This is living and active. This is what God wants us to feed on. It's sweeter than honey. And it leads us back to the good shepherd. Protect the flock. The third thing is protect the flock. Protect it from heresy. The leaders are here to try to make sure that, that we aren't uh, following a whim that, that's taking us away from Christ and orthodoxy. That we're making sure that we are being true to God's word and keeping the peace and purity of God's church. That is what he's called us to do. He's called us to protect you. Have you ever wondered, members, why we have a, a new members interview? Well, what we want to do is we want to ask you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only requirement. Have you embraced the good shepherd as Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't, we will present him to you and we'll pray that God will soften your heart and you'll embrace him. But one of the ways that we are to protect the flock is by protecting it from the wolves and sheep clothing or from those who haven't yet embraced the gospel. And lastly, it talks about oversight. That God has given us the flock to oversee their care, to care for their needs. And they're great. They're great. Sometimes they're overwhelming. But God has called us to care for your needs the best we can. And we try to do that. We can't do it all individually. We try to set up ministries and different opportunities to really care for your needs. But let me tell you what overseeing the flock also means. It's not very popular, but we take God's word seriously. It means disciplining the flock. And when you or I are in sin, Scripture commands us to go to one another and to follow Matthew 18's prescription and to say, listen, you're going the wrong way. And really turn, turn, and repent and live, repent and live. And that's, we take that seriously. I mean, it's never fun to really get involved in church discipline. But I want you to know that's a part of shepherding the flock. And our, you know, we don't have any power except for spiritual power. That which may be like, like, you know, saying you're not ready for communion. We're going to ask you not to take it. Or the ultimate would be excommunication. Uh, but, you know, we've seen, we've seen God work beautifully in this way. We've seen lives restored and people standing in the grace of God. That's, that's what it means to shepherd the flock. We take it very seriously. Do we do it well? Not always. But who is to shepherd the flock? Now, I, I don't have time to unpack this fully. It's not here in this te- text. But I want to ask this question. Who's the shepherd of the flock? So if those of you who are taking notes, write this down. 1 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7, and Titus 1, verses 5 through 9. That's the two primary texts that we see for the biblical qualifications of elders. Now, you know about Orangewood that we take God's word literally. We believe it's infallible. It won't lead us astray. We believe it's inerrant, that it is God's word. It's without error. And therefore, because of that, we see clearly in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 that God is calling godly men, it's a noble task, godly men to be elders, to shepherd God's people. Well, why just men? Well, God has placed us under authority, and this is the way he wants to demonstrate that authority to us. Are women not as valued here? Yes, they are. Women are co-heirs in Christ. They are image bearers as well. They have every much is right into the inheritance and the love of God. But in God's economy to shepherd his people, we see scripture clearly saying it needs to be godly men. 
Therefore, we don't have what's culturally um, acceptable out there as having women elders or uh, women pastors. Um, and we believe we never will unless God's word is changing. And we don't see it changing. And we see that's where God has called us, who is the shepherd of the flock. Well, how are we to shepherd the flock? I love what Peter says. He says this in verse 2, do it eagerly. Don't do it because you have to. Don't do it because, oh man, I got to make my shepherding calls or I got to love God's people or begrudgingly. He says this, do it eagerly, do it zealously. And what was Peter thinking? Think back to John 21. It's this love of Christ. I mean, Peter wants the leadership and all of us to look at this unbelievable reality that Jesus would love sinners like us so much. Listen, he would shed his blood for us. He'd die for us. He loves us that much. God cares as much about what we do as he cares about why we do it. He doesn't want us just to live a Christian life. Well, i got to live the Christian life. Got to walk this holy life. No, no. He wants us to be compelled by the love of Christ. Because I have been radically, eternally loved. I'm a new creation in Christ. And we now respond to that love. May the love of Christ compel us. That is how eagerly we're to do it. Verse 3 says we're to do it in incarnational shepherding. That we're to lead the flock. We're not the Lord over the flock. Say, look at us. We're elders. We're pastors. We're good. Submit to us. No, that we are to be examples before you. And we are broken sinners. We need Jesus as well. And let me again say, I'm sorry for the places we fail. And we do fail at times. But God is going to hold us to that standard that we are to be Christ-like in all that we do incarnational shepherding. And you see in verse 4, couldn't come up with a better word than this, vice regents shepherding. And when the chief shepherd appears, listen, this is only temporary for us, and this flock is not mine, it's God's. And one day he will appear. The chief shepherd is coming back. I can't wait. And when the chief, chief shepherd comes back, easy for me to say, there'll be no more need for human shepherds. And we'll be with him and see him face to face. You see, my job's temporary. I just point you to Jesus. And one day we'll be with him in new heavens and new earth. What does it mean to shepherd the flock at Orangewood? This is the distinctive that I am proud of here. We try. Uh, we, uh, we strive to honor God and his word by caring for you and shepherding you. And so the way we've done it, we've done it geographically. We have four zones. We have a zone one that's in the north. Uh, Robert Steffens, the pastor there, and you're going to see on the screen behind me the elders that are there in zone one, uh, kind of northern Orlando area. Um, look at these mug shots coming up here. I mean, do you feel like these guys should, uh, they, this is your group. Um, but zone one is up north, and then you'll see zone two. Zone two is kind of the Altamont Springs area. Chuck Berry is the pastor, zone pastor there in charge of that. That's been allotted to these guys. Again, remember the word allotted, and uh, you will see the, uh, the uh, ruling elders. These ruling elders, by the way, they're not ordained ministers. They're some of you that have been trained and called out, set aside, and ordained as elders. Zone three, under Carl Smith's leadership, is the Maitland area. Um, and zone four is kind of South Orlando area under Joe Creech's area. Well, we strive hard. We, we, we believe that God has entrusted you to us. But here's how we, these guys can't do it alone. I mean, there's too many of you. And I'm hoping we're going to grow like crazy someday. And we can't do it all. But what we do is this, is we try to lead you 
into ministries that will protect you, feed you, love you. C2 ministries, equipping centers, classes, coming to worship, getting involved in kick events. I've asked Gary Wilson to come up and share briefly uh, what it means uh, to be an elder here. He's a real life, living, breathing, incarnational shepherd, one who's on the board of Restore Orlando, loving his wife Betsy and their two children. Um, big Seminole fan, don't mention the Gators, all right? Um, no, I don't want to sleep on the couch tonight. That's so. right. Um, Let me just begin by saying it is a real privilege and honor to uh, serve as an elder here with my fellow brothers that you saw. uh, We're, you know, we're a team and it's, uh, it's been a privilege for these past five to six years to serve with them. It's also a very humbling task to serve as an elder. Um, We're lay people uh, just like you and we're also sinners. Yet, I think I speak for all the elders when I tell you that we are deeply committed to the church and the body, and that is you. Um, You know, we don't uh, have uh, uh, the luxury of of serving in the ministry full-time. I think many of us would like to do that. When you combine that with our full-time jobs, our families, and our other responsibilities, and each of us having uh, some 25 to 30 families to shepherd, it's a daunting task. And as Jeff said, you know, we don't always do the best job at it in uh, having that one-on-one time with you. Um, Yet, do know this. We care for you, and we're praying for you. I look out and see a a brother elder, Brian, who's an elder warrior, uh, someone I look up to and does such a great job as an elder. Even when you don't hear from us, though, know that we're caring for you, we're praying for you. And also know this, that we're available to pray with you and over you. A couple of weeks ago, one of the uh, honors that we have as as an elder is to pray over a a brother or sister. And we had the opportunity to pray over Reggie Kidd, over a health concern uh, that, by God's grace, uh, he got a negative uh, CAT scan report, which which was great news. I encourage you to know your elder. Um, You saw our, our faces up there. If you don't know your elder or have never made contact with your elder, I encourage you to initiate contact. You know, it, it is certainly easier, I think, for you sometimes, knowing the numbers of families that we're trying to shepherd, to reach out to us. Call your elder and offer to have lunch or coffee with them or breakfast. And when you do have that time, whether by the elder initiating or by you taking the initiative, share your concerns. Think about this. We often spend time with people that uh, are not believers, and we share how we're feeling about things. But these people, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the people, we are the people that you're going to spend eternity with, so we might as well get to know one another. We might as well start the process of sharing with one another and caring for one another. Your church's leadership, of which we, your, your lay elders, have the privilege of working alongside. Believe that certainly a, a one-on-one relationship with your elder is one way to be shepherded and cared for. However, we also know there's more effective and practical ways to be uh, cared for and spiritually fed. Those include the C2 groups. There's 31 C2 groups, 23 of which are, are still open. You can go online or call Chuck Berry and get plugged into a C2 group. They range from C2 groups involved in service, if you feel your heart and gift is in the area of service, fellowship, Bible study, discipleship, and even support C2 groups. 
We have great women's ministry and a band of brothers that meets on Thursday mornings. There's uh, a supper club that has been started this fall with 19 groups uh, meeting to have uh, mealtime together. And this is a great time of fellowship. And you heard about the, and of course you know about the equipping centers, our Sunday school classes, three for each service. We have a total of six, five of which are by age and stage. And I, w- I just want to encourage you with a, a Bible verse from Romans, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, where Paul reminds us, and this goes to the point of how to get plugged into the church. God's word says, just as each of us has one body with many members, such as our body of believers here at Orangewood, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Your church's leaders, including we as elders, believe that if you identify your spiritual gift and find a way to get connected and use your gift through a C2 group or through a supper club group or even in the equipping centers, that there you will shine and there you will find uh, the support group that we believe that everyone needs. This life, and in conclusion, I will tell you, we know it's a tough, fallen, sinful world out there. I often wonder how people who are not believers can make it through tragedies like cancer, loss of a, a child unexpectedly, loss of a family member, the highs and lows of, of losing a job, which is my, my, my daily life. I uh, help people who've lost their jobs through some uh, manner of injustice that they believe has happened to them. And I see people at a broken time in their life. And I wonder how they make it if they're not a believer. And I'm often constrained in, in uh, my ability to share the gospel with them and, and having to separate that. But I encourage you to get involved in your church. Identify your spiritual gift. And the model that your church, our church, our fellow believers have adopted is not uncommon uh, to what Moses was advised by his father-in-law Jethro in Exodus 18, to divide and, and select people as overseers who could help hear the needs of the people he was trying to govern. So, again, I thank you for the opportunity, Jeff, and, and it's an honor and a privilege to serve as an elder here. And, again, I encourage you to reach out to your elder, but most importantly, identify your gift and use it and get involved here in, in the body of believers, and I guarantee you you will get uh, supported and loved, just as I was this last two years in being in a, in a small men's group. And I got to know eight other men in a much deeper, more personal way uh, through a C2 group, and I would encourage you to do the same. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Thank you, Gary. What does shepherding mean for me? You know, I agonize over this. I mean, I really do. What does shepherding mean to me as your senior pastor? 
And I agonize over it, not because I agonize over trying to love you. I do love you. I agonize over how do I best love you? How do I show that I love you? How do I honor God in shepherding you? And that's difficult because there's many of you and my gifts and abilities are limited. And I, I wrestle deeply with this. I really do. Just recently, there was a, I heard back that there was a member who was disappointed. Uh, he was, he was uh, stricken with some bad health. And uh, his uh, uh, pastor, uh, Doug Fleming, went of his age group. His own pastor went. And I was talking to a friend who was telling me he was disappointed. He went too. He had three people show up and say, hey, I'm praying for you and I'm loving you. And I'm trying to provide you oversight. But he's disappointed that I didn't show up. Well, you know, I want to, I want to, and it breaks my heart because I was praying for this man and continue to daily. And yet I can't be everywhere at all times. And it somehow it wasn't good enough that three people went and I didn't. And I wrestle with that. Now, listen, I ask God, how do I best love the bride of Christ at Orangewood? How do I best serve you? And it's preaching God's word. And I really believe that's the primacy of my call is to bring you week in, week out to the best of my ability a sermon that is, that is sound theologically that I have studied and I've prayed and I'm prepared to come and deliver to you. And I also think it's through the vision. God has given me this vision and this passion to lead the bride of Christ here. And of course I want to be there with you. And of course I want to pr- cry with you and laugh with you. But I can't do it all. And that's why God has called us to kind of parse it up and to say, and, and uh, here are others who are going to help share that load. But no, I want, I want to be the best. I do. I want to do it all. My problem is I want to do it all. But I can't. But I don't want to show up not ready in here. And, and I really want to do the best I can getting ready because we need to hear from God. And I want to do my best uh, on my face before the Lord saying, God, how do you want to lead me so I can lead this bride of Christ here? I don't do it all well. I know. But I want you to know I do love you and I'm striving. Listen, you're not off the hook. We've got to talk about you. Some important things here. I've got to shepherd you right now for a moment. What does it mean? How do we to respond to shepherding? Look again at verse 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God is opposed uh, to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Be subject to your elders. We want to cherry pick the rules. This is what God's word says to you. Listen, God has placed over all authority in your life, including your elders. There may be some things you don't like about them. There may be some elders you don't like. There may be some things that we're not doing that you think we should. And let me tell you, if it's not biblical, come tell us. But if it is biblical, God has called you and me submit yourself to authority. Don't cherry pick the rules you want to pick. Don't say, I'll listen to them here and I won't listen to them there. God is calling you to respond as if it was Jesus himself to the leadership of this church. Now again, God's word is our guide. But God has called us to subject ourselves to the elders of the church. And we live in a time where we feel like, in our arrogance, I can pick and choose. I know better. That that doesn't include me. Let me tell you how pervasive this is. How about your tithes and offerings? And I'm assuming, I mean, God's word tells us that, that we are to give to him, to acknowledge that he owns it all, to say that we know when we have faith that we're going to give you the tithes and offerings. And it says to bring that tithe into the storehouse. But many of you who do give, basically give according to how you feel it should be used, spent. 
He said, I'm going to give 3% over here. I'm going to give 4% over here. I'm going to give 2% over here. I'm going to manage my money. And here's what you're saying. I have the ability to manage my money and I am not going to be under subjection to God. God has placed us here. We're going to be held responsible. He's calling us to bring in the storehouse, bring our tithe here, and let the elders wrestle before God as a plurality of leadership. How do you want to spend your money, Lord? Can you see the arrogance in that? Can you see the arrogance when we step outside of that and says, I'm not going to do that. I don't really trust them. They may not spend the money properly. I have a better way of doing it. God says, obey, submit. Submit your life, don't cherry pick the rules, and submit your wallet to him as well. Here's some shepherding coming at you. This includes all areas. God has called us. And listen, for some of you, it means join a church. Some of you come and you're part of a church. I don't need to really join. I'll just come. I'll be a part of it. I'll, I'll worship. I'll come in and out. It doesn't have to be this church. But here's what you're saying. I don't need to be under authority. I don't need any elder in my life. I can make those decisions enough. You are wired to be under authority. You are wired to submit. And therefore, by saying, I'm not going to join with a local body, is displeasing to the Lord. And so it doesn't have to be this church, but be in a biblical, Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church and be under that authority. Because God has called you to do it. Do it humbly. Listen, do it humbly. He says this, dress like your boss. Dress like your boss. Put on the clothes of humility. How did Jesus dress? Dress like your boss. He would disrobe himself, put on a towel, and wash his disciples' feet. We should be dressing like the good shepherd in humility in all we do. That is how we're to live our lives. God, you have made me um, to be in subjection to you, to honor you in all I have. And God, you have called me to be in subjection uh, to the leadership of this church and to submit to them and to follow them and trust you. That's your call in humility. And it's that pride thing that God's opposed to that we think we know it better. And we need to repent. And we need to respond to the leadership. Pray for us. Do we get it all right? Absolutely not. But what a privilege we have to shepherd God's flock. That's what it is. And we elders do pray for you. We're going to sing a song as we close. And we've already uh, passed time. So here's what we're going to do. We did this in the early service. And it was so powerful. There are so many of you who are here that, that are hurting. And maybe some know about it and maybe some don't. But we would love to pray with you, for you, over you. And I'm asking the elders and the pastors to come up right now. If you're an elder or pastor, come up now and stand um, up front here. And if you'd like to come forward during this song and you'd like to be prayed for, um, whatever need you have. We've prayed for several in the first service. Come forward. Come forward and let us pray for you. And uh, let, me, let me ask God's uh, blessing upon us. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, I pray. I pray for the man, woman, or child that's sitting here right now. And God, they're hurting. And God, they, they, their, their hurts are deep. And their concerns are deep. And maybe no one else knows, but you know. And you're the good shepherd, Father. And you've called these men to come and shepherd your flock, to pray with our people and, and for our people and point them to Jesus. So, Father, would you give courage to those who need to be prayed for this morning, that they will come and respond to your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing with a prayer. If you want to come and be prayed for, please come.